standard issue for all women. Hello, Hannah here and welcome to this week's Sunday Chops or I should say one of this week's Sunday Chops. Just to let you know I'm recording this in my house. There is a bit of ambient noise because I've got my windows open because frankly it's too hot not to and some really noisy birds have turned up in my tree and started shouting. So that's nice, isn't it? The other Sunday Chops, FYI, is the second in our Let's Talk About Death series, which we are doing in association with Macmillan. And in it, Mick and I talk to the incredible Simon Thompson. She's a blogger, she's a writer, she's a restaurateur, she's an entrepreneur, and she also just happens to be living with a stage four lung cancer diagnosis. So when you finish listening to this, pop on over and listen to that, because it's really, really interesting and as the whole point of the podcast series is, it's good to chat about death. So, over to another equally controversial topic. A couple of months ago, I was browsing through the Edinburgh Festival offering, and I saw that something called America is Hard to See was coming to the Edinburgh Festival. And I thought, I just have, have, have to talk to somebody about that play. Unfortunately, we managed to get Priscilla Holbrook, who is responsible for the music and the songs in it, to talk to us about the piece which centres around the life of Miracle Village, a rural American community for sex offenders in Florida. It had a sold-out, award-winning run in New York when it was off-Broadway. It's had some amazing reviews, and I will leave it to the brilliant Priscilla to explain more about it to you. Hey Hannah, what are you doing on Sunday the 21st of July? I am going to be in the fair city of Canterbury. Canterbury? I know, all the way in Kent. We will be holding an in-conversation event at the Marlowe Theatre as part of Canterbury Comedy Festival and we have some great guests. Too right we do, we've got Kemar Bob and we've got the Scummy Mummies. If you want to find out more, go to our website, www.standardissuepodcast.com And we can promise you that you may well laugh your tits off. Hi, we are joined on the phone by Priscilla Holbrook. She is over in America. Yes, hi. Hi, Priscilla. Thank you for joining us. We would like to talk about America is Hard to See, a new musical which is coming over. It's been off-Broadway and it's now coming over to be at the Edinburgh Fringe and you have been involved in the lyrics and the music. I wonder if you could tell us what America is Hard to See is all about. Sure. It's an unusual topic for a play, particularly a, quote, musical, unquote. It is definitely not your typical musical. In fact, just to sort of avoid that kind of association, we've been billing it as a play with music. But the truth is, it's a play with songs. And the subject matter is, well, it's a piece of investigative theater, so documentary-style theater. So the, the script is completely based on found text uh, and hundreds of hours of interview transcripts. So the topic is a village in rural Florida called Miracle Village, which is a sort of a stopover for convicted sex offenders. It began as a place for people who had served their time in prison to avoid being homeless essentially sort of like a halfway house in a sense the laws in the states and they are state by state so they're different everywhere well they make it really hard for someone who has done their time to 
to live anywhere because there are all these uh, restrictions around how far you can be from a park or a school or a bus stop or a library or anywhere. So there's this little, little, little tiny village at Dot in the middle of sugarcane fields that was originally a, a place for sugarcane migrant workers in the 50s and 60s that just lay unused for some decades. And it kind of ticked all the boxes in terms of making it legal for these people to actually have somewhere to go after they serve their time. So that's how it happened. And my colleague, Travis Russ, who has Life Jacket Theater Company, found it to be a really interesting topic and put together a research team to go down there. And this is about three and a half years ago now. And they went down there and conducted interviews, not only with residents, but with people from the surrounding communities, religious leaders, the neighboring town, and then, as I say, all kinds of other archival material to get a sense of what this world down there was all about. And it's certainly a different perspective on the whole dark and upsetting issue of child sex offenders in this country and in the the world. So we didn't know what the angle would be or the particular story or narrative thrust would be but that was the idea go down there and get tons of interview material and then see what we have when i tell people that this interview was coming up because i knew it was going to be interesting and i tell people about (laughs) the play almost immediately everybody had the same reaction which was i would really love to see that but equally i don't know that i want to see it oh yeah can i ask what your gut reaction to this story was that's great. That's a, I, I love the framing of that dilemma. Well, my colleague Travis kind of said it in a similar way. He found the topic so interesting and he thought, oh, I could never do that. And then as soon as he said it, he said, I, ha- I have to do this. It has to be done. There was this compulsion to go there, in a sense. For me, it was really artistically so... Um, intriguing. I didn't know this guy, Travis Russ, and he he approached me based on some other music I had done for some other theater. And he said, are you interested in doing an investigative theater piece? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, well, this is the topic. And I said, oh, wow. (laughs) And the oh, wow was a couple of things. Of course, it's dark. But, you know, I'm no stranger to these discussions, just sort of being alive in the present day, A. And B, you know, having grown up in the theater and be, having been an actor for so long, you know, there's a lot of self-study. There's a lot of people sharing stories of demons in that whole evolution artistically. And also I teach some work called the Reynolds Technique, which is a which is an exploration for actors of their, their body and body awareness and issues to help them with freedom on stage and stuff. And so these things come up, you know, it's part of all of our history in one way or another, tangentially or centrally. So I wasn't like, oh, I can't talk about that. I was like, wow, okay. I know to some degree what the reach and scope of these issues can be. And the idea of, of having music be part of it was just felt so right immediately. I was like, oh, wow. Because to me, music is just everything in, mu- in life. There's no topic that isn't appropriate for musical expression and for music being a way in to us it to, to material so it's a two-way thing you know uh, the audience has this sort of conduit of music between their I, I feel like their hearts and the piece that's on stage it kind of bypasses 
intellect and judgment and stuff like that. I, I just feel like music is sort of an express mode of of connection between an audience and and performers. So it just seemed a very um, economic and very right approach. And I, di- I didn't know what that would mean. I didn't know what would these songs be like. Well, how would you do this? What were the, I had no idea. But that was three years ago, and we figured it out. Did you go to Miracle Village? I didn't. I came on board with the project about a month or two before the team went down. And when Travis came back with reams of material, they sort of had a first pass at the material, you know, to see, okay, there's so many stories here. There's so many people slash characters. What's going to be our story? You know, there's just so many choices to make if you're going to make a play, right? So, and they they based it on what are what are some compelling moments or themes or relationships or struggles, and they the team I, three or four of these folks, you know, just kind of laid everything out on the floor and you know and said, okay, let's make a pile of that, let's make a pile of that, and then came to me and said, all right, here is this guy, this character, here's 200 pages of his transcript. We are interested potentially in such and such a theme regarding him. We are interested in his inability to move on with his life. We are interested in his or her, if it was like the mother of a sex offender, her wanting to protect her son or, you know, just it was a whole bunch of stuff. And then I went away and, and just spent time with all that stuff. And, and mostly I was sort of driven, driven by lyrics first, by, by text first, you know, sometimes I would have a hit on, huh, I'm feeling this musical theme or I'm feeling this kind of vibe or sense, but, but mostly I just let the way each person spoke and cause it's so it's so revealing and so wonderful to read people's verbatim. It's so direct. You're not spinning it. You're just, it is what it is. And so that was my task to kind of retain the voices of these individuals and distill their stories or part of their story in, into a song or into a, a stanza of a song or, or whatever without molding it for my own purposes, but really staying true to who they are as much as I possibly could based on what I was reading and how I had sort of gotten into their stories. And as you got to grips with their story and turned them into lyrics and songs, mm-hmm. did you develop a sympathy for Chad and Chris and Thomas? Great question. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it sympathy. I would say that there was always sort of an objectivity, but, you know, an objectivity that was colored by feeling. What I found was that there were no two stories that were the same. And that said, this particular, not to diminish their crimes at all, but this village did not accept, quote, violent sex offenders. And I think that if I were dealing with much more grisly crimes it would be a very different play or it would be it would have been let's just say it would have been a very different experience for me working on it and again these are our criminals you know and their voices that are difficult 
to hear, but you know, it's, these are perpetrators. They, they hurt children, you know, with, uh, they were in positions of power and, and hurt her children. And that's, that's unforgivable. They went to prison and there are varying degrees of remorse and, and sense of responsibility for what they've done. And, and for the most part, they're all torn up about it. You know, they are in agony over what they have done to other people. And so in Miracle Village, there's group therapy. And as I say, you know, they have certainly legally paid their dues 10 years in prison, just five years, in prison, whatever it was. So to answer your question, it's not so much sympathy. It's more just getting a fuller picture of, of all of it. And then asking questions or sort of nudging these, these questions of, is there forgiveness? Is there redemption? And, you know, and the play kind of nudges at those questions, but doesn't say forgive them and doesn't say, banish them to hell forever. It's, it's a lighter touch in terms of presenting people whose voices you're not used to hearing. And we get to hear the stories of the victims through the offenders in, in a sense. So it's not like, Oh, we, you're only showing one side. No, we, we feel what was done to the people through a different lens, I guess you could say. And it's not about letting any, the play doesn't let anybody off the hook or making these offenders more palatable at all. It's just, it's just telling the story from a different perspective. Priscilla, you used the word unforgivable, and obviously mm, a lot of this mm. play uh, centers around a minister who went to work in the community, so obviously she has faith, and there is the question of you know mm. forgiveness on that level. Mm. I just wondered like yeah. how, how do you feel whose whose place is it to forgive these men? Is it societies? Is it the victims? Is it a higher power mm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's, I guess it's higher power, you know? Um, and so that's sort of up for grabs what that is to, to anybody to, to, you know, whatever your sort of point of view about what that is may be that you're bringing to this material. But for instance, this, this character that you refer to, Pastor Patty, she doesn't sort of put herself in a position of God of saying, I absolve you, you know? She's very, sort of brass tacks and no nonsense about how are we going to actually live as a society if we can't have these conversations? How are we going to just go on and be a real town if we pretend that this whole chunk of the population doesn't exist? So let's talk about it. You know, let's see if we can open our minds. If, if somebody is coming to us and saying, I've been to prison, I'm torn up about what I did, I'm in therapy constantly, and I just want to try to find a way back to contributing, or, you know, can I just come to your freaking church once a week and sit there? Why is that bad? Like, let them come and sit in the church. So it's like varying degrees of how much are we going to open up to things that are hard to open up to. So it's, I don't think it's so much about I proclaim for forgiveness as much as let's see how we can make this world work. Can I ask what sort of reaction you had um, to this when it's been showing in America? Yeah, 
Well, I'm proud to say that it was extremely positive. The first thing is, you know, I'm not a political theater person and, and neither are my colleagues. It's, it, it, the idea is not to come in with a, an agenda or some propaganda. It was to make a good piece of theater and to focus on a theme that would be intriguing and compelling and, and stir things up for people in a way that that was interesting. And I think, you know, we've we've made a, a, a piece of of theater that is, dare I say, enjoyable. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of tears and there's some laughter too. It never pretends not to be theater. Stylistically, there's a there's a very bare bones approach. So there isn't this feeling of like, oh, you're going to watch a scene now, and we're going to suspend disbelief, and we're going to pretend that we're watching this thing before our eyes it's it's very you know the the character the six actors play all play multiple roles the music is performed by them of course vocally but as instrumentally as well so music is is a thread throughout the stories it's actually sort of part of the whole story and then the whole religious thing that that you that you brought up is is very much about music and how music has been a part of of the connecting process of of the different factions in this area this, this is not an episode of law and order you know this is a piece of of theater where you're sitting there going i'm watching a i'm watching an actor in new york take on this sometimes you have men playing women and women playing men it's very bare bones in terms of artifice and set and theatricality and that i think is really an important part of the ethos of dealing with subject matter like this you can't have a lot of bells and whistles on it. And that, that applies to the musical style as well. Um, because that's just, I don't know, that just feels wrong to try to be too manipulative with this sort of material. It is what it is. And it's strong material. Let it speak for itself. And that's what we've tried to do. We've tried to put it up there for you in ways that are artistic, that are cool that make it more than the sum of its parts and let you kind of take it in on your own terms. Cause I, you know, I really strongly feel, especially with my background in the agony that these issues can cause for people in, in a deep way. It's re it was really clear to me that if there's any sort of shock value aspect to the intention of the, of the play, then people are just going to shut down in the audience. They're just going to be like, fuck this. I'm not, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not taking this in. And they have every right to be, um, uh, to have their guard up, you know? These are really deep wounds. And to, to have people sort of shutting down in the audience is not our intention. Our intention is to open, not close. The audience needs to feel to feel that it's safe, you know, to be to be emotionally and intellectually open so that they're not being told what to feel, you know. And the value, I think, there is that if a particular someone or a whole audience comes away after being there further along in their in their evolution of recovery or healing around their history, that that's good even if it's just like that more conversations are happening. 
But if we've sort of been too directive regarding you should feel this or that, then they're not going to they're not going to be present and they're not going to be present to the piece, but they're not going to be present to themselves experiencing the piece. So they're going to be in a place of arrested, you know, they're going to stop and then they're going to leave the theater and they're going to be exactly where they were. We don't want to re-traumatize people. That's not the point. The point is to expand, not contract. That kind makes of, perfect It's sense. a little conceptual. I have one last question for you, if you don't mind, Priscilla. Yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Personally, and I am couching this in a personal opinion, because I know a lot of people have different opinions, I think to mm. dismiss criminals like this as monsters does a real disservice to society, because until we do talk to people who have committed these crimes and try to understand why then we're never going to move forward on the issue it's going to just keep happening we've got no chance of of even trying to sort things out right on do you you think that america is hard to see is going to help people have those conversations i think it already has and and i my dear hope is that it, it it does and i totally agree with you that we can't sweep this under the rug and there's so many you know when you say sex offenders there are so many uh stories and they're all bad but they're all different too and like anything to put blinders on and say those are monsters i don't want to talk about it doesn't it doesn't help any of us it doesn't help victims sort of you know eventually heal and in my opinion and it doesn't help um, lawmakers, you know, come up with something that's workable. And because the laws are just so Byzantine here, there it's a, it's a, just a, um, can I say shit show? Certainly. Um, it's 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 a mess. It's a real mess um, that that needs to be sorted out. And the only way you can sort out a, any deep hurt in society is to talk about it. Sorry, you know, there's just no other way. And if you can talk about it in a way that is sensitive and inclusive and uh, that the conversation is inclusive to all, all sides, sides, then it helps. It helps. So, yeah, we hope that that the conversations happen. And, you know, we definitely saw with the New York run that conversations happened. I mean, people were were moved by what they saw in their own ways, in different ways. And then you go out and you have a drink and you talk about it, or maybe it stays with you, or maybe it, it doesn't, but it does in ways that you're not aware of. And then I come back to ultimately, is it, is it a piece of theater that's good? Because on a macro level to me, art does, does everything that you just said that good, good art is a bomb for, what ails us all so there's that sort of big picture of 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 the value of going to the theater and and experiencing people telling the truth and and encountering music and beauty even if that beauty is dark that's really interesting and thank you so much priscilla we actually can't wait to go and see this my pleasure So, if you're in Edinburgh, you're near Edinburgh, you'd like to watch America is Hard to See, it is on at the Underbelly in Cowgate from August the 1st 
to August the 25th. It's not on on the night of August the 12th. They're having a day off. It's the Life Jacket Theatre Company. It's an hour and 15 minutes and it starts at 9.45. You can find out more information at the Edinburgh Fringe website. Until next week. Standard Issue for All Women.